Welcome to Mindset Reset Radio. I'm your host, Jess, and I'm on a mission to help female entrepreneurs like you get intentional in life and business. So if you're feeling stuck, you're looking for inspiration, or you just want to be reminded that you're not alone on this crazy entrepreneurial journey, you've landed in the right place. You can join our community of intention getters on Instagram at Jessica Thiefels, that's me, and you can learn more about how I can support you in business and mindset at jessicathiefels.com. Finally, if you love what you hear, please don't forget to rate and review the podcast. I'll be forever grateful. Now, sit back, grab a journal, and get ready to start living with intention. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Mindset Reset Radio. We are here with Joanna Sapir, who is a business strategist for holistic practitioners, particularly those that integrate multiple modalities. She's Her special ability is in helping practitioners set up repeatable systems and processes in their businesses to serve their clients more powerfully, enroll committed long-term clients, and create steady income and cash flow. She has been a teacher and trainer for more than 20 years, from the classroom to the gym floor, and now to wellness practices across the world. Born and raised in San Francisco Bay Area, she's the mother of two, a USA Masters national champion in Olympic-style weightlifting, and the host of the Business Revolution for Practitioners podcast. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. Yay. Thank you, Jessica. Yeah. I'm excited it, to be here. Yeah. It's been like a couple months in the works. Like I feel like we've gone back and forth and then I messed up some things and then <laughs> we are here now. Here so. we are. <laughs> um. So before we jump in, give us a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Yeah. So I am... Um, I'm almost 50 years old, so I've had a, a little bit of a life, and I've mm-hmm. had a few different stages in my life. I kind of think of them as we all sort of have cycles, right? Mine seem to go in eight to 10-year cycles. So um, professionally and career-wise, my first career was as a public high school teacher, and and really teaching was my calling, and I still consider myself a teacher today. I, I think I've been a teacher in all the capac- all the professional capacities I've been in. So I was a high school history teacher, and then I had a major life change after a um, birth trauma, actually, with my second son. It sort of upended my whole life and made me question everything. And I decided to take a, a sharp turn, and I ended up moving me and my sons. I had split up with their dad by that point, and to a whole new county. Mm-hmm. And um, And when I got here, where I'm still here... Um, I found that I was, I couldn't find a place to do the kind of, um, strength training and fitness training that had actually helped me really re-empower myself and find myself again after that trauma. Um, and so I, I somehow decided, well, why don't I create a place that offers this? And so I found myself starting a, you know, health focused business with zero experience in business whatsoever, Mm -hmm. right? Public school teacher and not from a family of, of business people or anything. And so, you know, it was diving straight into the deep end and I learned all the hard lessons. My business actually took off quite quickly, which was like, that sounds great to people. And yet I ended up in the emergency room from stress. It was just mm-hmm. so, you know, I had no idea what I was doing and how to handle all of it. 
And so I had to learn and I made the decision like, okay, I'm going to learn how to actually run a business and I'm going to learn how to make this. I know it's possible. It's got to be possible to make this sustainable and profitable and not have everything weigh on me. And so that's what I set about doing. And pretty early on in, in that development, somebody showed up at my, my, it was my gym one day and offered to buy it. And that was the sort of first seed of like, oh, okay, I built something that's valuable that people, (laughs) somebody wants to buy it, you know? And so I kind of decided at that point, I wasn't ready then at that. I had to think about it. And I thought, well, if I sell it, I'm just going to go start another gym down the street. And so that doesn't make (laughs) sense, you know? Um, So I thought I want to be in this for a few more years, but that's what I want to do in the longer run is sell it. And so I built it to run without me and be, you know, be a profitable, sellable, sellable business. And, uh, and by the time I was ready to do that, I knew that what I wanted to do was, was work with other health and wellness practitioners in helping them actually run, you know, make their businesses more sustainable, more profitable, uh, because I saw that there was such a need for it. I was the client of multiple practitioners that I just thought were so brilliant and so good at what they did. And yet weren't doing well in business, you know? And so, yeah, clearly a need. And so I feel like what I do now, which is, um, you know, coach uh, wellness practitioners across the world, both brick and mortar and online, um, what I do now for me brings together all all of me, my teaching, you know, my health background, um, business uh, skills all together. And I just love what I do. That's amazing. I didn't realize like previous to this moment that you used to own a gym. So that's really cool. I, my former life did not involve owning a gym, but I was also a personal trainer. And I also feel like every many aspects of my life, and I've had many, many seasons like you, um, I've been teaching in some capacity and in some way and, and absolutely still am today. So I love that we have that in common. And another thread that I'm seeing is exactly what we're talking about today, which is this idea of building long-term clients and building a business around what feels like this very fruitful, fulfilling experience of really supporting someone truly and wholly on a long-term scale. So tell me a little bit about like, did that idea of building a long-term client base, did that come to you when you were at the gym? Like this idea of when we have someone sign up, we want them to be gym, you know, we want them to go to our gym for as long as possible. We don't want them to go somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, it's interesting because how I offered my services in the very beginning without any real clue what I was doing, (laughs) I was modeling it after um, a a gym community I had been part of. Um, Actually, I wonder now that I say that, I actually don't remember how their pricing worked. But when I opened my gym, it was a monthly membership. And yet I absolutely was, what I was seeking was to help people create total lifestyle change. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had found this style of training, which now fortunately is kind of everywhere. It was a strength and conditioning gym. You know, it's just like a big open room with barbells and kettlebells and stuff on the sides. But at the time, this was 2008. At the time, it was like really unusual, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And... And it had changed my life. This kind of training had changed my life. I had felt like I found myself again. It was so fun and so empowering. And to be physically stronger was such a boost to mental confidence and everything. 
And so I wanted to provide that for others, right? Um, but a monthly membership model didn't necessarily do that. Sure, you'd get some people who would come and you'd get some people who would go on and on and on. Great. And then you'd get others who, you know, would drop off at the slightest sort of challenge, um, mm -hmm. right? And kind of not understanding what kind of commitment there might be in their own health journey, right? So I think I started seeing that then. And I also, I mean, what you're talking about, the the sort of before, mm -hmm. um, I, I talk about this. So many of my clients are, you know, body workers, acupuncturists, um, uh, movement specialists, and are definitely when they first come to me in that frame of mind of, you just sell sessions. It's like the industry model. Mm -hmm. And and people think that's just the way it is. That's just what you do. And what I call that is, uh, speaking of mindset, I call that the freelancer mindset. Mm -hmm. And we, we go into business and don't even realize that that is the mindset. And so it's not that we think, oh, it's just short-term clients. What we think is, we're just supposed to get, sell them whatever they want and sell them our time. And this whole, the freelancer mindset, the reason I call it that is because what it turns you into is just this commodity that's delivering the service mm -hmm. rather than actually being a guide in somebody's transformation. Mm. Um, and so it's it can be hard for practitioners to kind of like make that shift. But yeah. really what I do is I ask folks, I say, you know, I ask them to look at who have been your favorite clients. Always their very favorite clients have been people who stuck around for a long time. Um, always, you know, I I have I have very experienced practitioners who've been in business for 20 years and some of them have had clients for singular clients for that long, you know, which mm -hmm. is amazing. But the question, many questions I'd like to ask. One is, what if all your clients were like that, right? What if every single client understood that this is a long-term journey, mm -hmm. right? And so you get to decide, if you're a practitioner, you get to decide what that journey looks like. So to bring it back to the question you asked me, Jessica, um, yes, from the beginning in the gym, I felt like I'm doing this for lifestyle change. And in the beginning, I didn't have a packaging or pricing model that actually um, manifested that or actualized mm -hmm. that. And so over time, I figured out how to do that, which it, with the gym was simply, uh, you know, longer term memberships. We had three and six and 12 months and so on. But, um, but, but it does start with creating a vision for what does this client really need? What does my ideal client really need? And so for some of my, um, some of my clients, my practitioner clients who are, for example, uh, I really have a lot of people who work in um, either body work, soft tissue work, movement work, et cetera, that are dealing with people who are in pain, right? There may have been an injury or it may be cr a chronic issue. And the question to ask yourself is, well, what do they really need? Is a session or an arbitrary pack of 10 sessions, is that actually going to help you address the root cause of what's going on? And the answer is always no, always. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Right. And yet that's what they're selling and offering is sessions and it, and you, and it backfires, it backfires big time because if somebody is, you know, in some kind of pain and you're, and you're offering them a session and then they come in, even if at the end of that session, like the standard in, in, in this kind of work is then you do the rebooking conversation, which in my model, you don't even have those because you're enrolling them into a, into a whole program from the beginning. But with that rebooking conversation, it's still this kind of like, well, I suggest that you come back, you know, for a few more weeks and it's still very undefined. And so the person has come in and booked this session and come in. And what they're really hoping is, can you fix me right now? Just fix me right now. And the, the when you don't have the conversation with them about what that actually means, what's it going to take to quote unquote fix you or for you to fix yourself, like it's not going to be a small process. So what is the process that it's going to take for you? I mean, I would be asking a practitioner, what is the process it would take for you to actually address this person's pain, injury, whatever's going on, dysfunction, whatever's going on? What's that? That's how you design your programs. That's how you design your services is to actually address mm -hmm. their issues. And so that's going to depend on, on who you are as a practitioner and who your clients are and what their problems are that they're coming to you with or goals. Yeah, I there's so much that you said that I feel like resonates for people in all industries, right? And the like the the key threads, two things I'm seeing are this this that it starts with how you see yourself as the expert and also lack mindset and this idea of like, I just need to book sessions. I just need to bring the money in and fear that if I create a long-term program that costs more money, no one's going to buy it. So I'm yeah. just going to take the little few things that I can get. And I'm just going to ride that freaking up and down roller coaster of I have, I don't have feast famine. And totally. where is this idea of this long-term mindset, this really, I see it as like owning your expertise, owning the true value of what you have to offer and then building your business and your offerings around that. It seems like, of course I would do that, but I can also see why we don't, you know? Yeah, you're exactly right. It's like building your whole business around that. So just to be clear, it's not like, oh, this is an offer for some people. It's mm -hmm. like your whole business is this, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're offering single sessions, that's what people are going to take. If everybody wants the short-term magic pill, right? If they think that like you're offering that and it implies that you can actually help them in some single session, then everybody's going to choose that. So it's really going, no, no, what do my people actually need in only offering that? And so, like you said, there's a lot of fear around that. There's the fear of what if people say no, that's so out of the industry norm. So we can talk about, uh, I can share, you know, what I teach practitioners to do, yeah, to, do to counter that. But I do just want to back up first and say the, as far as the mindset part, it's not simply, a, it is owning your expertise, mm -hmm. but that's about you. But what I'd encourage any of you listening to think about is, um, is what, why did you get into this business and what kind of impact are you wanting to have? And what kind of impact are you having if some percentage of your clients are just, you know, they come in for a session or do one month or do this short-term thing and don't actually get real, true results, right? Like, why are you doing this? Everybody in health and wellness anyway, and like you said, this can apply to other, other fields as well, but particularly in health and wellness, we're here to help. 
Like it's a helping profession. We are here to help people and we are doing it because we want to have an impact. And so it's a good thing to look at is what kind of impact are you having when you're not actually being the guide to transformation that you know you can be, you know? I absolutely love this idea of coming back to why you're doing it and and saying, I'm going to wait a second and I'm going to start that over because there's a really loud plane right now and I don't know if it's picking up. I don't know why this plane is so loud right now. I can't hear it, just so you know. Okay, good, good. Maybe you can't hear it on the mic, but it was like right freaking there. They have like military bases around here, so mm. we get loud flyovers. Um, I absolutely love what you just said and coming back to your why, because I think it's such a powerful reframe to say like, I'm cutting my mission short you know, I am, I'm, I'm shortchanging myself and my mission and my purpose in this business and in this world by offering a single session. Or like, I'm trying to think of, you know, like as a business coach, like you're not going to fix someone's business in one session. And there may be multiple things you need to look at. And sure, maybe not the same package might not be perfect for every person, but there's a way to build your business where you're offering a comprehensive approach. And you're also, what I kept thinking about too, is this idea of expectations. And you're going to get better reviews. You're going to get better word of mouth referrals. You're going to get people talking about you when you are creating transformation rather than just these one-off quick sessions that don't actually, like you're saying, fix the person. They're expecting something and then they don't get it. Why are they going to tell other people to go to you? They're probably not. So I, I love that. I love everything you're saying. Um, yeah. I'm, And I'm glad you brought that up because yes, your referrals go through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> I was just meeting with um yesterday. I just had a meeting. We had like a, a a just open a free call for all of our alumni, the alumni of my flagship program. And that kept coming up. People were like, well, we're just getting so many referrals that we haven't had to do these other marketing strategies. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's exactly what you get. People, you become known for somebody who's really effective. And like yeah. you said, Jessica, it's connecting back to your mission and 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 why you're doing this work. Yeah. And so we talked about in terms of um, maybe pushing through that fear, coming back to your why, really connecting back to that mission. Was there something else that you wanted to share that you help your clients through that fear of like, well, if I charge too much, I do this big package, no one's going to buy it. Yeah. Well, there are business skills that you need to learn that, that to, to facilitate this. Mm -hmm. So if, for example, you're uh, somebody who has a way to just book these sessions on your website, and that's how you're used to you know, quote unquote, making a sale is the sort of business language, but that's how you're used to getting a client or booking a session is they're just going online and doing that. You need a different sales process for something as intensive and and big as, you know, a, a longer term program. And so that uh, process is what I, I teach practitioners how to do. And I teach them how to build that in your business. And it's a sales system. And so anybody doing transformational work, I think needs a really effective sales system it's not only important for this is how you enroll people in something like a $3,000 or $5,000 program, right? Which is so different than a $200 session. 
that's not only that, but it's also how you really vet your people. You want to be making sure you want to design your programs specific to the people you love working with. Right. And then you want to make sure that that's who you're inviting in is the people that you're going to love working with. And so this is again, moving out of that freelancer mindset of, I'm just here to like take money from whoever wants it and just deliver, just deliver the service, right? Do the thing they tell me to do, which by the way, if you ask, I mean, cause I do ask, if you ask a practitioner, like, tell me about your worst clients, it's, there's nightmare stories, right? Oh, yeah. And, and, and probably, yeah, in the stuff you do too, it's like I have many <laughs> yeah. stories. Yes. And, and one of the qualities you hear in these nightmare stories is, these people are just telling me what to do as if I'm not the expert that that has the training, right? And so anyway, we want to put some filters in place to make sure yeah. that we're not working with those people, right? And so that's part of your sales processes too, is it's calling in the right people. It's putting filters in place so that the right people are moving forward with you. And then it's a great process that makes it a no-brainer for them to enroll in the program with you. And so I'll, I'll say that... Um, the the crux of the sales process that I teach is a consultation, you know, so it's a consultative sales process rather than like digital funnels, you know, so digital funnels are kind of leading from page to page, right? This is actually a conversation you have with somebody. Mm -hmm. And so you can still have digital steps before that, right? The, the you know, you have automated scheduling to book the call, um, or it might be an in-person kind of thing. And you can have automated filters in place through an application or some kind of pre-qualification process. But when you actually meet face-to-face -face with somebody, either online or in-person, that's the consultation. And that can be so incredibly powerful. It's a really strong connection point with your prospective client. And it's where you're making sure that they're truly a great fit for what you have to offer, right? That they are somebody who needs exactly what you can provide. There's that match there and where you offer that to them and they feel totally safe and held and, you know, can ask you anything they want in order to move forward and make that decision for themselves. Yeah. And again, what you're saying just reminds me again, so much of that freelancer mindset versus like, you know, clear aligned business owner mindset of like, maybe they're not going to be a fit for your offering. Right. You are setting yourself and them up for success by saying no. I mean, I can't tell you I've been freelancing for, you know, 10 years. I've been running my business full time for five years. Like I can't tell you how many clients I've taken that are not a good fit. And actually just today I had a call and it was in the back of my head the whole time. I'm like, don't say yes to this. It sounds kind of like most things work, but you don't care about their industry. You have no interest in it. It's like a cybersecurity. Like it is not in any way, shape or form. So did did you? No, I didn't. I didn't. Yes. I said, you didn't, I you didn't say yes. You mean? Yes. Good. Good for yes. you. <laughs> but like, I can't tell you how many times, first of all, I've done this so many times and I know this and it's still hard for me to say no, because it's like, well, they want to pay me money. So I want to. Yeah. Yeah. But like, ultimately, I'm like, this isn't going to be a good fit because I don't know your industry. I don't know that I'm going to be able to provide you the best possible expertise and guidance, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. But the point being that there is definitely, again, that like mindset shift in having the sales call of like, I'm interviewing them as much as they're interviewing me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. You're interviewing them for sure. In mm -hmm. fact, so my my consultative sales process, the the consultation has ten steps to it that I teach, and mm -hmm. one of them is called the interview. And it 
it's fully you interviewing them because what you're trying to, this is not like a big judgment thing. Like, do I like them? You're interviewing them, finding to, to uncover their needs. And you want to make sure that their needs are exactly what you know how to fulfill. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you're all, you definitely are also looking for any of the kind of red flags in terms of behavior or personality. That is part of it as well. And I love that you just you just talked about the voice that you hear, which is like, no, no, no. And so it's actually a milestone in my program in in the work that I do with um with clients, uh, with practitioners. It's a milestone when they say when they have their first no. And mm-hmm. it's not that we're like saying you need to say no to people. If if all the right people are showing up, fantastic. That's good marketing happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? Calling in the right people. But you are bound to get some that are not. And to be able to turn it away, like you said, it is a big mindset shift. And it's incredibly empowering when you are able to turn someone away and recognize, no, that wouldn't have served any of us, mm-hmm. right? And in fact, I think on you as the you as the provider, it's even worse because it knocks your confidence. Yes. And when, so when you take clients that are not great fits, the more of them that you take, the less confident you feel in your services, which I don't know if we can swear here. I was going to say F's yeah. everything up. It really fucks <laughs> <Okay>. it all <laughs> up. Um, and versus the the opposite, when you're really, when you're selective about who you work with and you really understand who your ideal clients are and you start calling them in and enrolling them in the services that truly get them the results they're after you understand like you are living your purpose, right? Mm-hmm. And there's not a question about that because you're surrounded by by the right work and and the results that that people want and need. The feeling I get when I think about this too is like this sensation, this feeling of like allowing versus forcing and like really opening yourself up to the right opportunities, knowing that you don't have to force it to grow your business, like trusting and believing with the right process, with the right mindset, with with all the right pieces in place. You don't have to take on that crap that you don't want because the right stuff is coming to you. Um, And I feel like maybe that sounds a little woo, but I know I've personally experienced that especially just since last fall, I really niched down to be focusing on marketing with people in the wellness and even more particular, the mental wellness space. And I was so scared to do that. But yes, I'm still working on growing that aspect of my business. And it's not where it was before when I was taking every other client, but I'm so much more fulfilled in the work and the leads that are coming through are very much in line with the kind of people that I want to work with. So I'm more getting in front of those people. And so like I can... I can say it is worth it to do that thing, which is often the hard thing. Yeah, it is often the hard thing. And it is definitely, it definitely requires faith, mm-hmm. you know, and and trust like, yes. And it might be a little bit slow going at first in a transition, right? But every time you say yes to the kind of not, not aligned piece, you're basically turning away other businesses. It's like, we got to create an opening to receive, you know, Mm -hmm. to receive the right thing. So like a a little bit of space is good. Create the opening to receive what, what it is you're meant to receive. Yeah. I love that. Create the opening. So we could keep going. I feel like every guest I have on here, I could just talk for like (laughs) three hours (laughs) about the topic. Um, but in thinking about wrapping this up, 
if listeners were to walk away with with nothing but this one thing, one last gem, what would that be? I think that to bring all of this together, it's like I would love to encourage you listening to think about who who has been your favorite client or clients and why did you love working with them and even answering that question, why did you love working with them? There's going to be parts of it about them and who they were and how you two worked together in your vibe. And it's also part of that is going to be because they got fantastic results and we're so stoked Mm. about that. And I would love for you to think about that person or those people. If there's a few of them, if you're lucky enough to have, you know, a handful of, of those people and to just imagine what if you shaped your whole business to serve people just like them at the deepest, most powerful level you could, what would that look like? And how would that feel for you? Mm. Such a good practice. And I'm sure so many of us, we go into a business without any business know-how, just like you did, just like I did, probably most people listening. And so it's kind of funny that we skip over these pieces or we do need to be in business for a little bit sometimes to understand that, right? So totally, it's totally. A, a good practice to come to and really figure out like, yeah, am I am I working in the way that I want to? And am I even offering something that gives long-term success? you know, and how do I do that? So I I think that's such a great practical practice for everyone. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. So shifting gears, tell us, what are you getting intentional about right now? Ooh, what am I getting intentional about right now? Um, so many things. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am right on the precipice. I am right on the edge of uh, of moving into a whole new phase of life. My second and final kid, mm-hmm. my son is moving out. So my first son moved out a couple of years ago. And now this one just finished high school. And I've been a single parent for 16 years. And so it's just me. And that is just a massive, massive, massive change after 21 years of parenting. Um, And so what I'm getting intentional about is really, first of all, giving myself the space. I learned, uh, I was going to say the space to feel it all and actually grieve. I learned after my first son moved out you know, as a parent, I know you're, you're far away from this, this <laughs> point, Jessica, but you know, we, we raise our kids and we're, what we want is for them to be launching on their own. That's what we're, yeah. that's what we're doing it all for. So of course, like I was so excited for my son to, you know, go off on his own. And I just thought this is fantastic. Yay. This is what we spend 18 years doing. And then he left and I got blindsided by grief. I I didn't, in fact, I was so blindsided by it that I didn't know what the heck was happening to me. And somebody else, a friend of mine had to point out and say, that's grief, Joanna. And I was like, oh, (laughs) that's what that is. Okay. It was a lot of just confusion and sadness and just sort of these waves. And um, so anyway, so now I'm a little prepared, a little better prepared. And this is actually a bigger deal because now it's truly both kids gone. So I'm being intentional about giving myself just space for like transition and just kind of many months of, 
I don't need to make any big decisions right now about what I'm doing. I, I have so many choices after this, as far as like, I, I've chosen where we live always based on supporting um, my sons and where, where they're in school and making it easy for them. Um, and now I can go wherever I want to, you know, and so things like that, but it's like just giving myself the space to just, um, feel it all move through that transition, grieve if it's going to be grieving, celebrate if it's going to be celebrating all of it all mixed together. And I'm, um, I'm both scared and excited. <laughs> yeah. It's always a mix of everything, isn't it? <laughs> all of the feelings all just mixed in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Weston is 21 months old and I already know I'm, it's going to be devastating when he <laughs> leaves. I just like, can't get enough of him. We have a ways to go. I'm sure in a blink yeah. <laughs> be here, but for right now, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Tell us where can listeners connect with you outside of the podcast? Yeah. So I actually have my own podcast. If you're a health and wellness practitioner or even a practitioner in education, um, I have a podcast called The Business Revolution for Practitioners. So you can look me up there. And then we, I also have a masterclass to offer... Um, any of your listeners that want to learn more about the systems I teach for practitioners to build uh, profitable and sustainable businesses. And you can find that at joannasapir.com slash mindset reset, which I imagine you'll have the link available for them. Yes, that'll be in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here and sharing all of this. It was really interesting and eye-opening and it's uh, it's a mindset shift that I feel like most entrepreneurs should be thinking about making because I know a lot of us are more in that short-term make money sort of lack mindset. Um, so I appreciate you sharing with us. Thank you so much. Totally my pleasure to be here, Jessica. And thank you everyone for tuning in. We'll catch you on another episode of Mindset Reset Radio.